When you see banners waving, they make a statement. When you go to war, a lot of times before they go up to battle, they, there's banners that are holding that represents there's banners that are walking ahead that says this is a part of this tribe or <coughs> this country or whatever the case is. This represents this army. And for a while we've been having these banners that have just been hanging. And I don't know about you, but at times it, we can get so complacent that we just walk in and just like, yeah, that's cool. It says what it says. Or, yeah, they built mountains or whatever the case is. or It's just... It, the new can get lost and it just becomes just a normal thing anymore. Yeah, we said it. People can live in fear over the statement and, 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 and I get it because we declare war is a pretty bold statement to make. Especially when you say it and there's stuff going on in our country and everything. But when these banners are hanging and they if we were outside, they would be waving, saying we declare war. And this war we're declaring isn't a physical war, it's a spiritual war. Yeah. This war we declare is against the enemy and nothing else. We wrestle not. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It is against the enemy and has always been against the enemy. Yeah. That's what the war has been always over. For a while and a season, it is, God has always directed us into different directions and we pray and we seek God's face. God, where do you want us to go? Where are you guiding us? Where are you guiding the children? Where are you guiding the youth? Where are you guiding the church? Where are we going? And seasons and seasons of it. And as you leave today, just look left at a black wall and look at the words on that wall. As the seasons have been changing of mountain movers to blessed to, and how they flowed into each other. And yet in this season we declare war because our, our, our prayer is God, how, how much longer are we in this? Because that, that's a thing that we will always be until Jesus comes. You know what I'm saying? Like there's going to be a war, but I'm just saying the bold statement because there will be a day when I'll cut the banners in the fall. There'll be a day when I'm going to say, y'all, that can help me. There's, there's thousands of screws in here. We need help. <laughs> and we're going to have to tear the mountains down, for real. But there's going to be a day when it happens. But God said, not yet. Biggest battle is about to be in front of you now. And so where we go from this point is we declare war against the enemy on our family. Now this statement is big. Because how many know that in our families, all the enemy wants to do is wreck havoc? Yeah. All he wants to do is separate. Most of the biggest drama and most of the biggest issues you face and the anxiety you deal with is within your own family. Wow. We have some things with co-workers and stuff like that. And we even have it with, like we say, family that we're friends with. And we call them family. We're not blood, but we've been around so long, we call them family. So they get on our nerves, too. I mean, is that real? I mean, that's just real talk. Like, but what the enemy wants to do is separate the family. He wants to wreak havoc 
on the family. And I got to remind you every time you walk in here, you got to know that we declare war against the enemy. I'm not your enemy. Your family is not your enemy. We've said it many times from here. Multiple times from different pastors that have been up here. Do not put a face to the enemy. The moment you put a face to the enemy is when you lose. You think it's somebody else, but they're my enemy. No, your enemy is your enemy. And what's eating you alive is your enemy. We declare war on the enemy that is trying to wreak havoc on our families. So where does that stand? Well, there's, there's got to be a stance. There's got to be a foundation. And I think what we're losing, and we'll get into in this moment, we're going to do baptism and all that stuff. I don't know about you, but people are losing their integrity. Right. Families are losing integrity. I remember my grandpa would make deals over a handshake. And his word was his law. And if he said it, it was what it was. And the problem we face within the family unit is integrity is slowly slipping away. And the enemy just laughing and wrecking havoc over families. Because there's no integrity. Because what? We're, we're, we, we, we rather keep peace. We'd rather do all these other things and then, well, you know. So why is that? I don't want to, with the kid, I don't want to, if, if something's acting, I just want to. We give in too much, our integrity, our word, our bond, on all, all of it. And it's, it's, it's in simple things. It, it, it's in simple things in mind. Do you realize, this is a side thing, we're going to read this scripture, but do you know how many people just, we're so integrity in general. You mean people are late to work all the time? Like if you got to be at work at a certain time, you know how many people are just late because of their integrity? You know that's your word, that's your character. And if you can't be on, I'm just saying in general, if you can't be on time, how can anybody trust your word to do anything? Is that crazy? But when integrity happens and it breaks up in the family, guess what happens? Our little kids and everybody around us starts to form around your miscommunication or your lack of integrity. The enemy is wrecking havoc on families. Generations of generations with, with strong integrity, now we're finding it where it's all shaky and things can just be whatever it is and just, just fade away. And if we don't do something about it and we make a stand that says, no devil, not today. I'm going to have integrity. It doesn't have to be between a male or a female, but as for me and my house, we're going to have integrity. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It's going to be a little different. Well, let's get into this. I want you to go with me to Daniel chapter 3, and we're just kind of going to go through it briefly, but we're going to start in verse, uh, verse 3 and give you just a little bit of a story on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
So in verse 3, it says, Then the satraps and the prefects and the governors and counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trion, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image. Let me tell you something about this image for a second before I read on. And this image was not just an image of just some kind of idol that you see. It wasn't a self. It was a man-made image. It was an image of himself um, standing up. And so this was a self made image that was put before the people that not only did they have to honor him as the king, now they had to worship him as the king and bow down to this idol. So I just want to give you a little bit because this was a self-image, all right, that was put out before the people. And then it says, and whosoever, in verse 6, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that certain time, Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews, and they declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of, I'm going to skip all those, all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pray, no, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, It is true, o, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning fiery furnace. And who is this God who will deliver you out of my hands? And this is key right here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this manner. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not... Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I will not bow. I will not bow. That is what they were saying. I will not bow. I'm not going to bow. And so what happened is, in the end of this, as it continues to go down, they looked at King Nebuchadnezzar and said, I don't have to answer to you. They didn't have to answer to it. They didn't have to answer to the world to tell them who they had to be. They answered to the king of kings, and that's who they knew was above them. They didn't answer to the king who was in front of them. They answered to the, answered to the king inside of them. And the power of it is, is that they made a statement at that moment that they will not bow. And you may ask, 
How does this have to do anything with family? Well, I believe that the reason that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were able to stand in front of the world and make good choices was because they had integrity. They had integrity. And what's crazy about it is we don't have idols like that today. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I don't hear of a king right now that's made an image that's making us bow down to it when all the music in the world is played, that we have to go in front of this image and bow down, you know, in front of it. We don't have that happening. But today we do have modern day idols. We do. What is an idol? It's craving, wanting, enjoying, and being satisfied by anything that you treasure more than God. Craving, wanting, enjoying, and being satisfied by anything that you treasure more than God. Idolatry starts in the heart. So what are a few of these modern day idols that we can talk about? Well, trying to identify them isn't always easy, but I think it starts in asking yourself questions like this. Do I treasure anything or anyone more than God? Do I prioritize anything or anyone above God? Does anything bring me pleasure more than the things of God? Do I look to anyone or anything to meet my needs instead of God? And what's crazy about it is, is in our families, we have to ask ourselves these questions. Because the example that we set is important on where the generations that follow after us go. The things that we do, the things that we say, what we listen to, what we hear, where, where we go, how we talk, the people that we surround ourselves with, our children and other generations on the outside of us are watching. And you may say, well, my kids are done growing gone. Well, guess what? You are still a parent or you still have the obligation as an adult in somebody's life to still be the example that says, I will not bow. Yeah. What are some of these idols that are before us? Number one, money. Right. Yeah. Good job. There we go. <laughs> Do I trust it to meet my needs more than I trust God? Yeah. Do I love it and find my stability in it? Number two, nice things. Do things bring me joy more than the presence of God? Do I love what my money can buy? Careers. Do I identify more in what I do than who I am in Him. My weight and my appearance. Yeah. Your body is the temple, but do we spend more time building the temple in vain? Do special diets, gym time, Fitbit readings, or workouts get more a lot of time than you spend with God? Being healthy is good. But spending your all time, your all your time, trying to be healthy and not balancing being healthy spiritually is a problem. God wants you to be healthy, absolutely, because He needs us to do things for His kingdom. It's very hard to reach people when we can't even get up and go. But are we using our bodies for His purpose? Hobbies. Do I invest more time and energy into my hobbies than I do for God? I can throw the best party or bake the most awesome pies or run several marathons, but do I invest my time into my relationship with God? 
You may be a good fisher, but are you a fisher of men? Do your hobbies take more time than God does? What about romance and relationships? Whether it's a spouse or someone you're dating, seeking satisfaction in our significant other not only sets them up as an idol, but also sets them up for failure. The only one who can ever truly fulfill you is God. See, what's crazy is God created all these things for us to have. Think about it. We have we have money. We have to have money to make it through this world. You know what I'm saying? We have to pay our bills. You don't pay your bills, you're in trouble. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you want things so that you can live and, and be happy so you have a roof and over your head and food and things. And you have to have a career to make something of yourself. Or, you know, you want to take care of your body. And God created your body. And he created you to love things like hobbies and different things like that. And your spouse. He wants you to love your spouse. But it says to love your spouse as you love the church and love God. If you don't spend time and truly love God, how are you truly loving your spouse? It doesn't work that way. What about our children? When their lives depend on us for survival, it's easy to forget that being a parent is not our entire identity. It's easy to treasure our children more than we treasure God. But what happens when children rule our homes and our hearts? We create a godless generation. What about friendships and family relationships? We love connecting with our friends and family, spending time together, planning dinners, game nights, and leaning on one another. But are we seeking fulfillment from them more than we are for God in our answers? Do we go to the phone more than we go to the throne? What do we seek out? Is the first person you call your parent? I get you that God gave them you, but God is God. He is the only one who can answer first. And the first thing we should seek out above anything else is Jesus Christ. And so in our families, we have to have a balance of all of these good things that God has given us. But it is our job, not only as a family unit, but as a family unit as the church, as a job to teach the generations that are coming up and behind us how to serve him. What to do? How to walk? What we bow to in our hearts and minds is what we worship. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego had a lot of integrity. And the reason I say this is I looked up the word, and integrity means the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. It's moral uprightness. It's the state of being whole and not Divided. It's incorruptibility. It's an unimpaired condition. It's soundness of mind. Do you realize that the word integrity is actually saying, I will not bow. I will not compromise. I don't have to answer to you. I answer to God. It doesn't matter what you want from me in this world. It's telling your kids it doesn't matter how much money I make. It doesn't matter what it is. That's not my God. My God is Jesus Christ. I'm not bowing to it. I'm not bowing to it when you're asking me for something and I don't want to give it to you because I'm the parent. I'm not bowing. I'm not bowing when you want me to go do this or compromise for something. I'm not bowing. I will not bow. We, we bow too much. I love that, that part of that scripture. He's, he's just saying, oh, king, 
We have no need to answer answer you in this matter. You just reminded me, silly rabbit, tricks are for kids. Oh, <laughs> okay. And, and the reason is, is because I've already made my decision. Wow. You, know, you know when kids do that? Well, why? Why can't I? Why? And what do we say? Because what do I say? said so. Because I said so. I ain't got to say one more thing about it. I don't need to answer you this and this matter. I just said because I said And And too many times we give in. These idols, King put this huge idol of himself that, I mean, imagine being on that worship team. Okay, everybody, all together, why don't you? <laughs> and then he gives them another chance. Like, let's bring them up. Let's do it one more time. Ready? One, two. Can Brandon learn another instrument? And they're like, I don't have the bell. Well, if you don't know, you're going in the fire. See, what the king didn't realize they were already in the fire. The fire was going in within them. They already had a temperament. You can be in the fire all you want. It's already burning. I'm already fired up. Yeah. You place the. See what I'm saying? Like, I think that's where we're missing yeah. stuff. We're missing that, yeah. that consuming fire of God. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, save us. And he was trying to tell us to save it. And we, we, years ago, we did a, a whole season on this. Even if. Even if he doesn't save me, I still want to. Like, he was that strong with his integrity. Like, I won't bow to this boss. And too many times we have these false gods in our life that we put above who God is. And this is where the enemy tries to wreak havoc. Do you realize that you can idolize your dysfunction? You can idolize, and I'm not taking it lightly what the doctor had said about you. You can idolize that over anything else. Do you talk about that more than you talk about what God could do? What you give your attention to. Exactly. At times we idolize what? We don't try to, but we idolize our children. We're not like bowing down to them, but don't we bow down to them when they want to get their way and you're just over it? Well, that's called bowing out. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many times are we like, we have a situation yeah. that comes up against us and we're like, I'm going to bow out of that one. I, I'm not going to deal with it. And we do that too many times and things. But how, how, how many times do we get to a place in our life, in our family, and we're just saying, we're just trying to keep the peace. But what you realize is you didn't have it at all. Trying to keep the peace. Where is your integrity? Where is your... Well, I don't have to answer you in this matter. I know what God already said to me. But we bow and try to keep peace in situations when we need to stand and just let the fire of God still burn with you. Not in an angry way, but in a humble way and saying, I'm still standing in this. I made my decision. But see, the enemy wants to wreak havoc in the house and, and with the family. Because he can disrupt the whole family. He's going to disrupt everything. Because family is so important. God talks about it so much in the Word of God, just the big family of God and all that. But there's so much... Have it just, it's just jacked up. And, and we're just talking about family, let alone talking about church family. It's the craziest thing about church family that people, they're easily offended. And how come? You know what I mean? Like this, this happens across the planet. Where you're so involved in whatever the case is, but you get so easily offended. Nobody's trying to judge you. Guess what they're trying to do? Keep you accountable. 
That's right. But we call the judge in and then we don't walk back in the doors. You see what I'm saying? And it's not in no way trying to point each other out, but it's just what God's word says. Iron sharpens iron. Iron don't sharpen plastic. Well, accountability accountability keeps you honest. So when you're saying that about keeping you accountable, what I'm hearing, even in ourselves, that's what we're accountable to the word of God. We, each and every single one of us, are accountable to the time that we spend with God, our relationship with God, what God is trying to say to us. And this has a very good way of checking you. It does. You can get in your word. When you know you're dealing with something and you feel like you may be a little bit, come on, everybody in here has been a little shady every once in a while. Just be honest. It's true. You have some things and some thoughts and some stuff in your mind that makes you want to bow to what's going on in your life because you like, you're like you just dealing and you're going, I'm going to bow out because I'm going to become the other person that I used to be and take care of the situation. Then I'm going to duck back in and say, God, forgive me. You know what I'm saying? But what's crazy about it is there has to be a line that we draw where we can we quit continuing to go like this. In and out. In and out. In and out. In and out. Man, I'm dizzy already doing that. We make ourselves go crazy because we're constantly in and out, up and down, bowing down. You know what I'm saying? I mean, how would we feel if we're, honestly, our lives probably look like this a lot. That reminds me of Medea's Christmas. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, seriously, how often do we go around to the world almost looking at it like, yes, your majesty. Yes, your majesty. Yes, your majesty. Yes, that's it. So, but the fact of it is, I mean, we're bowing constantly when things come our way because we don't want to stand because maybe we're afraid of offending anymore. This generation and the things that are going on in this world is all about offenses. That's right. And everybody will put a post out there on blast when you've offended somebody. And you can't stand for what you say because, and I'm just going to be honest, there are no equal rights. I just want to say this. I'm not trying to be mean, but there are not because everybody wants us to agree with what everybody wants us to agree with. Listen, I'm going to be honest. I am not asking you to change what you believe, but please don't come and ask me to change what I believe because I will not bow. That's right. Not asking that. I'm not asking that. But I have to stand for what I know is right because I don't answer to you. I don't answer to anybody else but God. And see, that's where we have to go in our life. And talking about being accountable, I believe if you lack accountability, then you absolutely lack integrity. If you are unable to be held accountable, that means that you already lack integrity because integrity has the ability to be honest, even if it's brutally honest, with yourself and with God. Well, too many times when people want to bow out, like family situations, family matters, family feud, whatever you would call it, they want to bow out because they don't like confrontation. I don't know how to deal with that, so I will just kind of excuse myself. And it's not trying to be, you know, where you're just like trying to start an argument, but where is your stand? Where is your, where, where is your integrity of what you know is right by the word of God? Where, where is the stand? Why, why do we bow out and just let it happen? Because here's what happens. People bow out. Whatever the family matter is. And then yet, behind the scenes, they got something to say. And then they're just going to talk about it behind the scenes. Instead of not trying to disrupt. But you saw the three Hebrew boys, which, long story short, they were of Babylon. They, gave, they were given Babylon name. They were slaves. 
God honored them and put them above and, and helped kind of lead in some areas. But when it was all said and done, they were still slaves. And yet, in front of an entire nation, they were brought up and like, I don't have to answer you. You're, you're telling the king, you're, you're telling, I ain't got to answer you to this. You see, they didn't even have, they didn't bow down. They stood their ground. And too many times, it, it, it has changed so much where everybody is walking on eggshells. And almost, and worse, within the whole family. Where we're walking on eggshells instead of standing and, and, and being and saying what God has told you and standing on the truth. Do you realize that the intent, even with what you do with your own children, your children are formed around what you're doing right now? Your integrity to stand. This happens a lot, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. When you're talking about even children that are younger or, or even as they live in the house, and you say something, and you tell them, I'm gonna, you need to do this, and then you bow down to them and let them get their way, you're already teaching them that your integrity is trash. How many times do we do this in life? Like, we, we bow out or we just give in. I want this. I want this, Daddy. I want that. And we give in to it because what? Well, we don't want the argument. And I've said it many times, just like in general, even when you're dealing with family stuff, discipline for your children is more for the adult than it is for the kid because it's your consistency. If you said it, stand on it. If you told them to sit down, I don't care how many times you have to sit their butt on that chair, they're not getting up until I say they're getting up. But how many times, like, I don't want to, and then you're just like, oh, I'm just over, just go on. When you say just go on, they're not done. They got you. Yeah. And you're the donkey. <laughs> but if you keep on, nope, I don't care if it takes me three hours, I'm going to stand here until you surrender. You see what I'm saying? But I think that's what happens in our lives and our relationships with God. As we hear yes. a child sitting on the chair and God's trying to say, just sit down. Just listen to what I'm trying to say. Just do what I told you. Just follow what I'm doing. And all we're doing is throwing a fit and, and whining. And then we get mad and walk away from God because he's not bound. Yeah, and he's not bound down. And doing it. he's like, come to you lie down and read pastures. And this is the problem we face because everything is so fast. One of these services, we're going to bring some of our youth leaders up here and talk to you about something that will make your jaw drop to the floor. But what is so crazy right now is everything is at a fast pace that it's almost like a 10-second window. And what's happened now is adults have got sucked into that. So when it's talking about just getting quiet before the Lord, nobody can get quiet if, it, if it's in within 10 seconds. Okay. Like if we sat here for two minutes and just got real quiet, people would be real uncomfortable. Nobody knows how to sit still anymore. And so, like you said, if, if we can't listen to God when he says, just sit down. Because he's trying to speak to you. And if you can't listen, how in the heck is your children going to listen when you're really trying to tell them to sit down and listen? But the word of God says the Lord disciplines those he loves. And that's the truth yeah. about it. And I think the crazy thing is that when you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were not the only three Hebrew boys no. at that time. There was thousands of Hebrew people who knew the truth of what God was, but they bowed instantly out of fear, out of insecurity for what was going on, the fear for their lives, that they began to bow down to the sound and worship 
these images and worship these things that were taking place. And, and what's crazy about it is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were, had a consistency in their integrity to say it didn't matter what was going on. I'm not going to bow. And what's so awesome about it is if you continue to read on in that story is you will find out that they were saved from the furnace. They were thrown in. It was turned out seven times hotter. And it even killed the people who were the guards standing outside the fire because it was so hot. And God came in and stood with them in the midst of the fire because he was already with them, like Pastor Brandon said, in the midst of their lives. But what's awesome about it is it it changed King Nebuchadnezzar's heart and mind that immediately when they came out of that fire, it said that nobody is to serve any other god than the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it changed it for generations to come. But see, the problem about it is, is I hear so many complaints about the things going in our going on in our generations around us, but we cannot complain for that which we have not set the bar for. Right. We can't complain about it. And it's time to set the bar. Don't get so complacent where we're just like, well, oh, I'm just going to kind of stay away from that. You don't need family members that are not doing well with each other. You know how many people that don't even see each other? You know how many issues that are around and, and the enemy is wrecking havoc over situations? The devil is a liar. And that's why we say we declare war against the enemy. And, and I wrote this down as we trade our integrity for insecurity. I choose integrity over insecurity. You have to choose it. Because we get so insecure and so we just bow out again or bow down again and the enemy's wrecking havoc. How did those Hebrew boys stand? It's because they stayed faithful to God. How did they keep going? Because through generations they kept on speaking about the Lord and about his deliverance. The hymns of the Bible, the hymns from Psalms and all that, those kind of things, are even the hymns that we, we would, would sing from the past. You know what those were? Everybody's singing basically the Bible. How to make it. So the, the old Hebrew song was songs that was trying to remind them and, and keep that in front of them that God is still faithful, that he's going to set them free. That he's still good. And your integrity has to be strong. You have to still hold on. When all hell breaks loose, when it doesn't look like there is any hope, you still got to go back to the word and remind yourself that he is good. And keep reminding your family and your kids that go to school and reminding them how good he is and that they can stand and don't bow down to that stuff. Or even with young adults and, and adults, as young adults get older and they're, they're voting and they're in society and doing stuff. Like you've got to keep training up these children in the way they should go, but have you lost your training ability? And we gave in and just going through life. The enemy wants to wreck havoc again. Well, one of the things that I've said about leadership is that some of the greatest leaders are willing to be led. Well, you are a leader in your home. And if you lose the ability to be led by God, then you cannot lead others to him. It doesn't work that way. You have to 
to be willing to be led, and being led by somebody means to be under that authority at times. And sometimes I think it's just because we have a problem with somebody telling us what to do. And God is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the most awesome leader that we could ever have. But the problem of it is, is the reason our families are falling apart is because we have too many inconsistencies in our own integrity with our relationship with Jesus Christ. See, we bow to the things that are going on. There's been times in our own family when we said that. I remember when I was growing up, I know, you know, why is this such a big deal? It's a big deal because it is, because it's going to shape you and change you. If I just, in this one little thing, be like, oh, it's, it's no big deal. Just this one time becomes another time and another time and another time and another time. And after a while, you will realize that you are so far away from what the truth is that you cannot identify yourself with who the authority is over you. And so you begin to bow to everything around you because you begin to look for your uh, fulfillment in other things. Well, what's what happened is that people have compromised their integrity. Well, think about this. Think about what they, how things used to be and you would say these statements of like, I would never do that. I ain't watching that. I'm not going to listen to that. I would not have my kid. Look what the stuff you do now that you're, you, you have compromised. Look what the things you would stand for, but that you don't anymore. Our integrity, it, it, it starts to just start breaking apart. And God's like, I need that strength. Your integrity is very important. What do you stand on? And I get what's happened at times because I've, I've heard these statements that, man, when I was younger, man, my parents were so hard on me. I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to kind of lighten up. But it's those same people that thank God their parents were hard on. But and unfortunately, they've lightened up with their kids. Now their kids are got kids, and now it's all because they've lightened up in some areas that now everything's all shaky because they follow the lead. Are we compromising our integrity in just the simplest things in life? I'm telling you right now, my grandma and grandpa would do some flips in their grave if they would watch any TV show today. There ain't no family feud. That's adult feud. That ain't family feud. That family feud was way different. You see what I'm saying? But what do we, what do we compromise with our integrity? The stuff that we're just like, uh, it, it, it just, what, what happens? It's a blur now. That's just what it is. Where's our integrity? Where's our stand to it? And we are just going with the flow. Well, it's just what it was just gonna. But yet, we got something to say about somebody else's family. Work on you. Work on your family. Have that integrity build up and stand strong. That's what I love. Like, there's people I know, when you say, hey, you're going to be here, I know that for a fact, I don't care, unless somebody's legs cut off or whatever, they're going to be here. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know people that have integrity of, like, I'm going, I try my best. Listen, I'm not perfect. Last week, we came in late. I don't even know how it happened, but one, one for 50, you know? I try my best to live, to, to, to have integrity in my life. I'm not perfect, look, I make mistakes. But I remember those stories and talking about, listen, your word goes a long way. Be a man of your word, Brandon. Have integrity, if you're gonna do it, say you're gonna do it, then you do it. If you're gonna be there, then be there. The problem 
problem we have even with family, and the craziest part now is people don't even have integrity with church. Uh, I swear church starts at 11 here sometimes. <laughs> I thought it started at 30, but, but where's our integrity? Like we walks in like, no, I can't wait to get here. I'm running here. I'm waiting at the door to unlock it because I can't wait to get in the house of the Lord. Because something's going to happen today. It's the gathering of the saints. You see what I'm saying? You got to remember too because every saint had a past and every sinner has a future. You got to remember. Integrity. I wrote this down in Integrity is choosing your thoughts and actions based on the word of God, basically your values, rather than your personal gain. Choosing your thoughts and actions based on the word of God and your personal gain. Our personal gain, where does it get us? Because if it's personal, the king made a personal image of himself. If it's personal, guess, who, guess what we leave behind? If it's personal, then it's just me. I'm trying to gain. I just need to do this. And guess what happens? Our kids suffer for it. Our spouses suffer for it. The family members suffer for it. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. For me and my house, we're going to have integrity. That's where it starts. Too many times, I don't know if you notice this in the workplace, guys. I'm just talking to you right now. I have family members that own businesses. It is so hard for people to work. Or even show up. Then they want to give you options and give you give you the, the layout of what they need. Then they're great. Then they want to be late. And then they know because you need help that they're going to hold you hostage. And show up whenever they want. But that's not going to fly for. Now, there are some businesses that will stand with that and be like, okay, well, I just need you. Come on, that's cool. And there's some that say, I'll do it myself. See it. I got pay you. It's not that important, but see, the whole system's all jacked up. Because what do we do if we don't have integrity and try to fight? You know how many people were fighting to work to do the right thing? And now we just mad because we ain't got a stimulus check now. You see what I'm saying? Like, where is our, our integrity to do the right thing? I'm not saying that those things didn't help and stuff, and there's mixed emotions about all that. But the thing is, we have to start doing something. <coughs> this, the, the kingdom of God is, is advancing. But so is the kingdom of the enemy. And what are we going to advance? God wants to do something incredible with our families. I'm telling you, if he can heal, it's not it. If we will help allow this healing process to happen, it will strengthen it for generations. Well, that's what I was going to say is that I think what's awesome about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is they understood that their decisions would make a difference in generations to come. And we have to realize that today, the standards, the stand that we take today sets the standards for tomorrow. So the stand you take today in your homes and the things that you do in your jobs and in your church sets the standards for what takes place tomorrow. And that's what they knew. And we've got to compromise. And we compromise far too long. In Proverbs 20, verse 7, 
it says, the righteous man who walks in integrity and lives life in accord with his godly beliefs, how blessed, happy, and spiritually secure are his children after him who have his example to follow. What's the example you're setting? You have to ask that. Does the example you set show God is who you fear? Do those around you see that he takes precedence, that he is the first and the one thing that you go to all the time? Is he what you serve? Is he, what, is he the master of your life? You know, that old saying, I am the master of my faith. That is crap if I ever heard it in my life. You are not the master of anything. You just bow to self. Because what you want matters more than what really needs to be done. Integrity is not merely being true to what you believe, but rather believing and doing what is true. Integrity is not merely being true to what you believe, but rather believing and doing what is true. That's like saying, I believe in God. That's truth to you. But I don't live like it. But saying you believe in God, integrity is saying you believe in God and then do what's right by God by living like it. That's being true to his word. He just said, it's, a, it's important we used to have the standard of being a man of our word. Well, guess what? We could be better men and women of our word if we were men and women in the word. And that's how we will make it. We have to stand on this foundation. Guess what, guys? This is the only book that can tell you the ending that hasn't even happened yet, and you know it's going to happen. Like, there is no change ending in this. I just want to let you know that. There is no change ending of he's going to be like, surprise, psych, it was all a joke. I'm not coming. It ends the way it is. His word is his word. The truth is the truth. And the time has come now that you stand in truth. God said to the woman at the well, the time has come that the true worshipers will arise and worship me in spirit and in truth. You cannot live a double life, a double standard, and be in truth. It's either one or the other. It doesn't work like that. One is the truth or one's the truth. Either the truth is, is that you don't serve God and you want to do it your own way, or you serve God and you follow him wholeheartedly. Truth isn't split. People try to split it because they compromise in that truth. Well, integrity is not divided. That's what it says. It is whole. It lives as a whole. Integrity comes from the inside out, not the outside in. Integrity is allowing the inside of you. That's why they didn't bow when they said they were going to be put in the fire because they weren't worried about what the outside was causing on the inside and what was what the inside was causing to take place on the outside. What consumes you in your life? Do your children, do your family, does anybody see? We, 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 are, we want to know that our families are going to go to heaven and do the right thing, but are you setting an example of being consumed by God to them? Do they see the truth in you? Do the generations that come in here on Thursday nights, do they see the truth in you? Does the generation that comes in here on Sunday mornings and is back there that will be leaving us one day, do they see the truth in you? See, integrity isn't about taking the easy way out. Integrity
Integrity is less worried about maintaining all the little things in your life and relationships than it is about maintaining the relationship with God. And let me tell you something. If you maintain this, he would maintain this. That's the fact of it. Don't stop. You're the person that keeps on preaching the gospel and talking to your family about the gospel. And they don't want to hear it. Don't stop. Don't stop. I remember there was a time, my mom's in the back with the kids right now. There was a time my mom would leave, remember those daily bread? You pick scripture for the day, pull it out. I'll find those things in pillowcases and underwear and socks. Like, those things are everywhere in my room. And there was times she would write notes in the car. And it wasn't overbearing. She was just trying to sign. The only way you're going to make it is through the word of God. And I had, to, I had to have a choice. But thank God for people that didn't stop. You know what I mean? Stop trying to give you the word. They were trying to tell you, look, you keep going down this path and you don't have God, you're going to fall apart real fast. If you don't do, if you don't do it the right, you're going to fall apart. And, and God allowed some situations to take place in my life where, where she was still giving me scripture, but you know when something's crazy when mama's quiet. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got real quiet. And then you're like, well, what's wrong? Why is mama? Why mom are Like, why is everybody quiet? Because you got used to that and you got used to your defense. And you would see, you would see a scripture and no talking. You're like, what's going on here? But the reality is, is they were trying to instill some integrity and, and here's the scripture and here, you don't have to do that. You don't have to live like that. You don't have to keep, keep serving God. Keep bringing it in. I told you I've said it many times. Look, if God can set me free and, 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 and place me as a lead over a church, I'm telling you, you can do it to anybody. I was a mess and son. Your family can make it. There's hope. You know that one kid or that one person in your family, you're like, they're so far gone. There ain't no hope for it. I was that kid. You see what I'm saying? There's hope. Don't stop. Don't bow down to justify because of the way they're acting and feeling. Stand your ground. And it's not forced. No, don't force that, it. that's, the, that's the problem. It's not forcing it and making sure everybody sees I'm not bound to that or I'm not. Integrity is not forced. No. It's literally absorbed by others because of you modeling the appropriate behavior and the actions and the things that you do around them. If people around you are like sponges. You know, they talk about children being like sponges. So are people around you, and they notice the things that you do, and they soak up what's going on inside of you. And what are you leaking out that others are soaking up? Is it integrity? And the, Because integrity is not something forced that you have to make somebody see that you're doing it right. It's, it's just doing it. It's, it's following what God wants you to do. And there are just five quick little things that I want to tell you will be signs that you lack integrity. And it's questioning yourself because you have to understand. I'll say it this way. We are getting to a day and age in our lives that if we don't stand for something, we are going to fall for everything. And we have to stand for Jesus Christ. And we are at a place where 
If we cannot stand for God in our families, in our homes, and stand for God in our private places or in our church, and stand for what is right as a unit like that, there is no way we're going to make it out there. Because these are the people that you are surrounded with that you should be able to stand with and should be able to show them. And then they strengthen and encourage you to be able to stand on the outside. But we have to be true to who we are in here. And so there's five signs when we lack integrity. Number one is when you have a problem when things aren't all about you. Selfish people harm people and their families. Organizations, friends, they harm people because, see, integrity helps others. It's, it's about being a part to be trusted in and honest But when you lack integrity, you're selfish. That's why Nebuchadnezzar lacked integrity because he made a self-made image so that everybody else could see me, hear me, knows me. Don't you want to get to know me? You already know me. You know I know you. So listen. If it's all about you, you don't go the distance for others. You won't do it. And if you do, you make it a point to make sure that they know you've done what you've done to get to that point. True integrity helps others, not harms them. Your selfish actions may not have severe ramifications at the moment, but selfishness only leads to self-made idols. It's just the way it works. Number two. A sign that you lack integrity is that your self-esteem rises and falls on the opinions of others. Secure people stand through the toughest of circumstances without compromise. They have a made-up mind no matter what the outcome is. Insecure people bend and bow to every change in the opinion of others around them. Your insecurity disables your integrity. Insecurity creates idolatry because it causes you to seek self-fulfillment in other things in your life. You become a people pleaser instead of pleasing God. This is real talk right here. Number three. Another sign you lack integrity is you hide things. Who you are is inconsistent. It is inconsistent because others see only what you want them to see. If you can't stand for something, again, you'll fall for anything. We have to show our friends and family who we truly are and stand for God in all areas. You can't come to church and be one way and live a double life and a double standard at the other at your home. And we wonder why some generations are struggling because they're not seeing the true integrity of Jesus Christ. And the fact of it is, is that God says you will either be hot or cold or I will vomit you is what he says out. And that, that, that's the challenge we face, even taking it two steps further. You have people that live one way when you see them in church. They live one way when you see them at work. They live one way when you see them at home. And they live one way when you view them online. There's no consistency. Somebody's going to act a fool online. Someone talks crazy and there's no integrity at work. And the way they handle themselves at home and... Lord knows at church, you know, everything's good at times. It's unfortunate because hiding it, God wants you just to be you completely. Who are you trying to who are you trying to prove to somebody? That's that's the reality. Who are you 
Number four, you fail to keep your word. True integrity begins in the foundation of the word of God, and it's hard to keep your word, again, like I said, when you're not in the word. It's time to say less and deliver more. Say less and just deliver more. Be who you are. Be the truth of what God has asked you and stand strong with him. True, true integrity goes, it's the whole package. It's not like, well, I'll say I won't be on time, I won't be on time. Okay, that's a piece of it. But if you say you're a Christian, you're living your life, then you got to fully live your life. You see what I'm saying? Because then there's that side of the integrity. Because if not, you double standard, and you're like, well, I still want to do this of the world, but yet this. So it, it goes the whole, it goes the whole distance. You can't just choose and pick and choose on certain things you want to have integrity for and certain things you don't want to have integrity for. Just so you can benefit your flesh. Well, if God's standards don't change, why do you? If his standards aren't changing, why do you? He doesn't change. Why do we have to change for that? I'm not talking about we don't change and allow. I'm talking about like our actual standards. You know what's right and wrong. If you know the truth is the truth, stand for the truth. It's time that we quit being do as I say, not as I do, and just be a generation that says I'm not going to bow. Quit, quit being a, you know, we hear it, do, do as I say, not as I do. No, that doesn't work anymore. Just, just I'm not going to bow. Look, my integrity has been shaky a little bit. So teach my daughter how to drive. <laughs> yeah, and so there's times where a stop before, you know, like not behind the stop sign, I stop a little ahead. You have to turn your turn signal on. I'm, I'm pounding her with it. Or you gotta turn your turn signal and on. And I'm sitting there smiling. And mom's sitting there smiling. I'm like, you're this right. is great. You're right. And I don't realize it at times because how easy, as you get older, you just do what you do. Dad, you know you shouldn't be on your phone when you drive. No. <laughs> yes. We've all been there. And I'm teaching, try to get off your phone. It's yep, she's not on it. But I'm like, don't be on your phone. You see that person with the driving by, they're on their phone. But Dad, you're on your phone sometimes. Babe, <laughs> <laughs> don't get in this car without wearing your seatbelt. Hey, Dad. You drove that whole time without putting the seatbelt on. So listen, when we're talking about integrity, I'm not trying, guys. It's, it's in everything, though. <coughs> Don't ride too close. What if we're still going slow? <laughs> so listen, it is in everything. And you have to, when your daughter is keeping you accountable for what you're trying to teach her, oh, Jesus. And when it's real, what do you do? Say No. Just do what I say, not as I do. No, you're like, you're right. I actually need to be better at this. I'll probably tell the guys. But I think that's how God wants us to work, though, is integrity is from one generation to another. Absolutely. What you instill down to one should come back. It should just be an ebb and flow of helping keep one another and not being offended because your child is probably telling you the truth. You know what I'm saying? No, don't like talk back and be all disrespectful about it. That don't flow real well. But just No, because when I talk back, somehow my mom's hand reached behind the back. And bust me in the lid. Like, how'd that work? You're driving, Mom. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is a big, big, big deal. But she was the last girl. I mean, where's she at? She's still got those rings. Back up. See, when I was a kid, it was like, go, go get your arm. You know, like, kids don't know about that yet. Well, I knew. When I was a kid, I knew the integrity of if I misbehaved at home and was disrespectful. 
disrespectful to my mom. Yeah. No, not only did I get it from mom, but when dad came home, I was younger than women. It's just what it was that because dad set the standard that we respect in our household. And every time I would say to my dad, honestly, my dad is like one of the biggest guys you will ever meet and has hands like seen bear claws. Oh, and he would set me down on my bed and literally talk to me and say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And I'm like, dude, nobody's lifting you with bear claws. Like, I'm like, oh, I don't understand. But, but now I understood what he was saying because when, when you truly love your children and you do what's right for them, it, it is very difficult at times. And it is very heartbreaking because we want our children to know we love them. But can I tell you something, parents? Loving your children isn't giving them everything they want. Right. And it isn't allowing them to get their way through everything. It is hard through discipline and showing the direction and keeping that firm in what God says by the truth of his word. Well, Not by what you want to do, but by the truth of what he has told you. Because even in the word, it says, yeah. fathers, do not exasperate your children. So we have to fall in integrity with what his word is saying constantly. Well, and, you know, it's, I, I'm dead. How you doing? Um, <laughs> I was little and... That, that very thing happened, and it was like, you're going to get a whooping. You're going to get your butt whooped. You can't say that anymore. I think you're going to call CPS or something now. But, um, it's a problem. So I was like, you know, I'm going to try to behave and, like, change the subject and get everything good. So Dad will forget. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to change it up a little bit, you know. I'm going to, yes, sir, if you need something, I'm going to cut the grass twice, you know, like, whatever. And, and I... All day went on. I was around him. And he was like, you know what? And so I I didn't act like anything was going on because I thought, man, he forgot. I've been doing good. That man was hiding behind the door. I walked in the house. He, the door flung open. He Remember that? Dad? I don't know if you remember that. You should. I remember. Um, this is counseling. Just listen. So I opened the door, and I'm flinging shut. I'm walking, and all I feel was wind. Like, boom! <laughs> My, I think he lifted me up off the ground. He said, I told you I was going to whoop you for it. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Because I said it, and I told you when you did that, I don't care how nice you're acting now, that was my word. And this is the problem we face. Oh, you know, they're doing good. You know, but you, if you said it and then you just kind of fade away with it, they're going to jump on that. I was jumping all over. Nope, dad's hiding behind the door. Well, our, in, our inconsistencies and our integrity in our lives teaches others that they can be inconsistent with God and tell him they're sorry and still do what they want. And it doesn't work that way. I can't serve God and live how I want. I can if I want to, because that's what I want to do. That I can't. I mean, he's not even telling me I can't do it. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, he gives us a choice, but in all reality, if I want to make it to see him someday, I better live like it. You know what I'm saying? I better live like I want to see him, like I desire to spend time with him and want to be a part of who he is. That's how life has to work, and it is. This is the key. Yeah. The last point about knowing if you lack integrity is your life is full of compromises. It's full of them. You have too many compromises. True integrity doesn't crumble under its circumstances, but stands erect in the midst of adversity. True integrity doesn't crumble. Integrity begins in the resolution of your heart by choosing not to bow to anything but Jesus Christ. Integrity has to be an intentional and integral part of the daily lives in order for integrity of our families to be restored. 
It has to be intentional. You have to be intentional with me and have integrity. You have, like, like you. I love you. But since you're busting yourself out, we're going to go there. So, you have to be intentional when we leave here to turn your turn signal on. And you have to be intentional to stop behind the white line or the stop sign and not do a California roll through. So, we have to be intentional about what we do. Does that make sense? Like, because our integrity of our families and what they see depends on your intentionality. Absolutely. It does. And, and the fact of it is, is that our relationship with Jesus Christ has to be intentional. And in order to keep integrity with God, we have to be intentional in the things that we do. And it has to be a very important part of our life. Our families will begin to restore itself if we would restore our integrity with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And that well, see what happened was um, when we leave the church, I tell my daughter, turn turn sick on, let people know you're leaving. So when I leave the church, I'm just like, I'm going right. And she's like, Dad, you didn't turn turn sick on. Yeah, I know, I gotta turn that on, I'm sorry. And so we have to we have to follow through. Um, it, it's hard because integrity it challenges all of us in all areas. To, to be a person of your word and, and practice what you preach. All of us. And doing the right thing. And listen, I'm not going to get deep into this, but you still have to stand strong. And, and even though there might be situations at hand, we see where integrity can get shaken because you you feel bad for your kids because you and your your ex aren't together and the kids had to deal with that. Or And the kids are in the... So we, we compromise our integrity so that we can, you know, just whatever for the kids. Because we feel bad, so we let them do whatever they want to do. Because, they're, you know, they're struggling. But in the same hand, you still have to have integrity. You're not your past, church. You're not your past. And God wants to strengthen that in all of us. In every one of us. It's so good. We're getting ready to transition. We just wanted to open this up for you, Dad get you to understand that as we lay the foundation of family, that foundations are laid on integrity. If you've ever bought a house or done anything, they're going to ask you about the integrity of the foundation before you move in and buy that home. And if a foundation has too many cracks in it, then what happens is that you have to fix it or you don't buy that home. Does it, does it make sense? And so in your lives and in our lives as a foundation, as the church, and as families, we have to build it on a foundation of integrity, and our integrity begins in the foundation of the word of Jesus Christ and being men and women of the word to follow who he is. Amen? Amen. What we're going to ask right this minute, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to ask um, that those of you who are getting ready to get baptized, if you would go ahead and transition to go out and get changed to the bathrooms back here um, as we get ready to do that, and we're going to go get the children and have them come in as well. Um, and we are going to pray, and we're excited to celebrate with you your decision to stand um, and show others your integrity for Jesus Christ, right? It starts right here, standing in front of people and saying, I have decided. Amen? Amen. God, we thank you today for everything that you are doing. 
We thank you for the families and the people who are in the room today that are choosing, God, to have integrity, number one, by coming to your house on Sunday, God, when they could be doing something else. But, God, they want to stay in, God, fellowship with you and focus on who you are. God, I pray, God, that you would begin to move over these people today in this house. And, God, any area that any of us are struggling in integrity, God, I pray you deal with that today. And, God, as we begin to work on the family and the family unit and say we declare war against the enemy on our families, God, that we would choose to stand and rise and say we will not bow. We thank you, God, for all you're doing. And we worship you today. 